you know, maybe in an hour of desperation and things aren't going well and you cry out to God and say, Lord, didn't I paint that soffit? That's what I did yesterday. <laughs> and I'm sore. But we can cry out and say, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that for you in the name of Jesus? You know, and, and the Lord would, he would say, well, John, why did you get up there and do that? And so, because I wanted to serve you. That's right. It wasn't about you, was it, John? No, it was about you. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14 today. This is just a, a tremendous passage of Scripture. There's there's some things that are just so key. They're jumping from the Old Testament, and it, it, most of your Bibles, probably every single one of them, depending on what version you're reading, it will still be the same way. You'll see passages in the first 14 verses, like in verse 6, verse 8, verse 11, and also in verse 12 and verse 13 that are in italics. Um, verse 10 also is, is picking up on that. And and what that tells us is that Paul was drawing directly from the Old Testament passages to kind of build his argument that he's working with the Galatian church. Now, what happened in these churches, it's not just one church, but it was a region, much like Lake County we are in. We have several churches in Lake County, and there was this teaching that came through through by the Judaizers. These were Jewish believers in Jesus Christ, so Jewish men and women who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But they added to the message of the gospel that for the Gentiles who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, they added that they needed to be circumcised and that they had to keep the law. So for them, it was Jesus plus. So these passages that are coming in verses 6, 8, 10, 11, 12, and 13, Paul's building his argument right from the Old Testament, and he's really dealing much with the life of good old father Abraham. You know, the children's song that they, I don't know if they even sing it downstairs anymore, but father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had father Abraham. He's saying, look, I want to show you something with Abraham, the father of the Jews, that it wasn't his works that got him 
to be declared righteous before God, but it was his faith. Now, that is an interesting thing because we're, we're here in October now, and at the end of the month, on October 31st, you know, that has a whole different spin than, than well, in 1517, Martin Luther, on October 31st, he nailed his 95 thesis on the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg. And that nailing of the 95 thesis was against the Catholic Church. And Martin Luther was a Catholic priest when he did this. And he was arguing with the church about some points that really his nailing this to the door was really just, I want to have a theological debate with the heads of the church. He was really getting into it with one of the head priests there. And he just really wanted to present his argument. Now, he had spent from 1510 to 1520 a teaching series, and he was just kind of going around in a circuit, but he was teaching from the book of Psalms, and I find this very interesting, from the book of Hebrews, Romans, and Galatians. Because in Hebrews, Romans, and Galatians, in our passage today, we find in verse 11 that it says in all three of those New Testament books, they're quoting from Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. And as Martin Luther was working through these doctrines of Scripture, he saw what the Catholic Church was teaching. And this is what they were teaching during their day, that faith in Jesus Christ plus charity and good works will get you to heaven. So they were doing similarly the very same thing that the uh, Judaizers was doing in Galatians, saying Jesus Christ plus circumcision and keeping of the law will get you to heaven. Catholic Church in the 1500s, Jesus Christ plus charity and good works will get you to heaven. But they were adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and so much more than that, that he nailed his thesis to the church door. Now, we would think if we ever came to our church and saw this big, you know, 95 thesis hanging on the door, we think, what in the world is this? In Martin Luther's day, that was the community bulletin board. So it wasn't unusual to have things nailed to the church door. But what he nailed on that church door, the end result that he was excommunicated by the Pope, and he was condemned as an outlaw by the emperor. And he was on the run. It sparked the Reformation. And here's some of the things that Martin Luther wrote um, after that time. But here's a quote. He says, This one infirm rock which is called the doctrine of justification, is the chief article of the whole Christian doctrine, which comprehends the understanding of all godliness. He said this one rock, the justification by faith alone, this is one of those firm foundations that he, saw, he called it the chief article of the whole Christian doctrine. And then furthermore, he wrote that this why faith alone makes someone just and fulfills the law. He said, faith is that which brings the Holy Spirit through the merits of Christ. As though I had been born again, that phrase he says there, as though I had been born again, the just person of whom the Bible speaks lives by faith. And this is Paul's argument that we have here to the Galatians. He's already kind of in the last two chapters, he, he presented to us the problem that the Galatian believers had 
went to another doctrine, another gospel that was not Christ. And, and they said that the Judaizers were preaching that, you know, Paul, he's, uh, he's not preaching the right doctrine. And in fact, we don't even know if Paul's actually an apostle. And so Paul spent the last couple of chapters defending his right to be an apostle and, and declaring that I was even accepted by the church in Jerusalem and they gave me the right hand of fellowship. But now he jumps right in and he begins to defend uh, the message that he was preaching and declares to us that the just shall live by faith. And this is what Martin Luther, as he was um, doing that circuit preaching from Psalms, from Hebrews, from Romans and Galatians, and the books of Hebrews, Romans, and Galatians. Each of those books declares to us from that which comes from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith. And Martin Luther read that, and he was a man who, he was passionate. He even went in to become a monk. He tried to pull away from the the world. He tried to do works and works and even more works than we would probably ever want to do. And yet he realized that they never satisfied. They never answered the plea of his heart, the plea of his soul. And it was building upon the foundation of Christ. The just shall live by faith. And so Paul begins in his argument in verse one, O foolish Galatians who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified. So he asks the question, who's bewitched you? This is the only time that Greek word is found in the New Testament, and it means to bring evil upon a, a person. Um, I think it's over in Italy, they'll have the evil eye, and they actually sell them. You can buy them, and you can have the little evil eye to put on someone. Well, actually, this can be translated as one of those casting the evil eye upon someone. But he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified? See, the idea, we just received communion just uh, several minutes ago, but the idea of Jesus's work on the cross being all sufficient to cleanse us of our sin. Jesus Christ is all that we need and nothing more. And so often we want to build on top of the work that Jesus has already done. It's appealing to our flesh. We did the share fest thing with all the churches in our community yesterday. As I said earlier at the beginning of the service, we worked on 178 homes and and did a bunch of other things. I mean, the statistics, the numbers will be there. It'll probably be bigger this year than it was the year before. And, and we're always building kind of on this success. And, and that can really appeal to people's flesh. Look what we did for Christ. Sometimes they forget that for Christ part. And they say, look what we did. Look what we did when we got together. And if we leave the Christ out of it, we're in danger of being bewitched in a very similar way because we're taking the focus of why we're doing the things we do, why we live the way we live, because the just shall live by faith because Christ went to the cross and he was crucified for our sins. And I pray that that has been clearly betrayed here too, that has been preached thoroughly here at this church. And I pray that I preach it even more so in the future, that Christ died and he is our, our answer he says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive 
the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now, I said that the sheriffess thing, that works of doing good works to people, that can be appealing to us because it feels like we're doing something. And, and there could be, you know, maybe in a, an hour of desperation and things aren't going well and you cry out to God and say, Lord, didn't I paint that soffit? That's what I did yesterday. <laughs> and I'm sore. But we can cry out and say, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that for you in the name of Jesus? You know, and... And the Lord would, he would say, well, John, why did you get up there and do that? And so, because I wanted to serve you. That's right. It wasn't about you, was it, John? No, it was about you. Sometimes at work things, it's just, well, the computer can be, the internet can be a very dangerous place, but I have fun on the internet, um, especially prepping for messages. And so I asked the question, many ways to heaven. I wanted to see what popped up. Because we're talking about works to heaven, and quite often, Lily had this conversation with one of her co-workers on Thursday, and she spent quite a bit of time with her, and this theme of good works was just coming from the co-worker, and Lily was saying, yeah, but you need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sin. So I, I googled in, are there many ways to heaven? And this is the first thing that came up. It was sufficient. I really like the response because it gives us the response of the world, not from the church, but the response of the world. And there's this April who asked the question herself, how many ways are there to heaven? And someone answered, his name was Dr. John L., somewhat anonymous. So Dr. John, not Dr. Phil, but Dr. John, gave the answer. Of all the answers that came in, she goes, I like this one the best. This is what John had to say. Although I am not a believer, I think there is only one way to heaven, and that is good works. I do not think that belief in Jesus or conversion are prerequisites to going to heaven. I think anybody who practices good works and love regardless of religion, including the atheists and the agnostics. Now, the difference between the atheist and the agnostics, an atheist says that God there is no God. The agnostic says God can't be known. If there is a God, you can't know him anyways. Even the atheists and agnostics can get to heaven. That is, if heaven really exists. Excluded would be those who hurt others in the name of religion. That was John's answer, and April said, I like that one the best. But what was the key there? Good works. What can I do? And the work has already been done through Jesus Christ. And it's a sad thing. We're being bewitched. It's this work of the Holy Spirit in verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So Paul asked the churches in Galatians, how did you get the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life? Was it by the things that you did or is it by believing in Jesus Christ? Now the answer is it's by believing in Jesus. God didn't give the Spirit to them because of the things that they had done. God gave the Spirit because of everything that Jesus had done for them and their faith in Jesus Christ. In John 6, 63, the Lord Jesus said about the Spirit, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit, and they are life. It's the Spirit that gives life. The Word tells us that we can't even say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So if you have rightfully accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a lot of people who use the name of Jesus, but 
they use it in a way that is really degrading the name of Jesus, and, and they use it as slang or as a cuss word. But when he says, you can't even say Jesus is Lord, what he's saying is profession of faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is truly the Messiah. You can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit's work in your life. So the Spirit comes to us because of the hearing of faith. In verse 3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So he asks the question again, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, now you're going to try to make it perfect by the flesh, by the things you do, and negating everything that Christ has done for you. And then he talks about this things that they had suffered, and I just kind of did a uh, a little preview of that first missionary journey that Paul and Barnabas was on during that time when they first brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the churches in Galatia. There in Antioch, it tells us, as they came into Antioch of Pisteida, that many of the Jews believed in Jesus and the Gentiles believed in Jesus, and God's word spread throughout all the region until there was this embarrassment that took place from the non-believing Jews and the prominent women and chief men of the city that they raised up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they were expelled from the region. Paul and Barnabas went preaching the gospel in this area of Antioch, and this is in the region of the churches of Galatia, and God's word was received so greatly by the Gentiles that they got expelled. We can't have you guys here. You're, you're messing us up around here. Now in Nicodium, it was the next place they went. It tells us a great multitude of Jews and Greeks believed. And this is all found in the book of Acts. Uh, the last story was in Acts 13. This one's in Acts 14. But a great multitude of Jews and Greeks believed. And it was the unbelieving Jews and the Gentiles that poisoned the mind of the brethren. So Paul and Barnabas stayed for a long time. And they were able to speak boldly in the name of the Lord. And God was giving them many signs and miracles among them, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And the city was divided. And again, Paul and Barnabas, this violent attempt came against them. And they fled to Lystra and Derbe. In Lystra, Paul was preaching. He saw a man who was crippled from birth. And he saw that this man, as Paul was preaching, he was looking intently. He had faith to be healed. And Paul just stopped the message and said, stand up right now. And the man stood, leaped, and jumped. Well, it caused quite a stir in that town. And they declared that Barnabas was Zeus and that Paul was Mercury or Hermes. And they wanted to worship them. And they got the fatted cow out. They were ready to declare them as gods and worship them. And when Paul and Barnabas said, hey, we are men just like you, and, and we've came here to tell you to worship the living God. Well, then they took Paul out and they stoned him. Now, I believe that he was stoned to death there. The scripture closes out that uh, the believing brothers and sisters came around him, and then Paul got up and went back into the city, and then the next day left and went to the area of Derby. But I believe he actually was stoned to death at that time. And there's scripture doesn't say that he was. It just says that he was stoned, that the brothers came around him. But there is a passage in the epistles where Paul talks about a man who went to the third heaven. He never used his name, but it is believed that Paul was telling his story when he died 
went to heaven, and then came back to uh, finish the work that the Lord had given him to do. But it was a difficult journey for Paul and Barnabas, and it wasn't just Paul and Barnabas. The church was suffering in this area. And he said, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? He, it wasn't in vain. Paul was arguing for them. In verse 5, he says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Again, he asked that question. It's, a, it's really a, meant to be a rhetorical question because the answer is it's by faith. He's building this argument. It's by faith. It's by faith. It's not by works. The world wants to teach us that it's by our works. It's by our good works that we are the ones who will get ourselves to heaven. And the word teaches us that there's nothing good in us and that the only way to the Lord, the only way to paradise, the only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. And so therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I have seen the Lord do some marvelous things in my life. No, I've never prayed over someone who died and saw them raised from the dead. Now, I have prayed for people who have died immediately and asked that the Lord would raise them. I just go to test it, you know. Lord, do I have this much faith? I don't know. But I've been in those situations, and I have prayed a prayer like that. I've never seen a resurrection. I've never seen a cripple from birth and said to them, Rise, stand on your feet. But I have seen the Lord do some amazing things. But I think about some of those events. I think about when I've seen the Lord move strong through his spirit in my life. It seems like quite often they've been the most undeserving times of my life. Where it's like, Lord, why do you even bother messing with me? Because... I didn't do anything. I think that's why the Lord chooses to do it on those hours, to just prove to us that, you know what? This ain't you, John. It's all me. I just used your mouth and made it go like that for a little while. But it's all me. Jesus Christ has paid the price of our sin. He's done it all. The blessing of Abraham. What blessing? He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I hope that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Through that step of faith, you have done everything necessary for salvation. As a believer, I believe the Lord has some work to do in you and some work to do through you. And usually, the Lord does the work in us. Sometimes he begins to work through us right away. But even as he's working through us, he's still working in us. I I heard this song, I think it was this morning, I was driving Lily to the airport, but it was just saying that pressure makes us strong. And it made me think of coal and a diamond, that the pressing in takes that hunk of rock, that coal, that usually is pretty brittle when you get it, But of enough compression, you have a diamond. And the pressures of this life, they press in, they press in and press in. And it could be that the Lord is wanting to make a beautiful diamond out of you. You're in the rough right now. He hasn't got his 
you know, the hammer and chisel out. He's, he's going to do that cutting away. He's going to clean you up. But by the time we stand before the Lord in heaven, we'll look brilliant. And yet, what the Lord can do, when we by faith believe, the Lord said, I'll account it to you for righteousness. I will bless you because of the work of my son. You shall live by faith because we have been redeemed from the curse of the law through Jesus Christ on the cross, reflecting his glory to others. That's what the Lord desires out of us. All we need to do is believe. Father, we pray that you would be with us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Pray that you would just bless the remainder of this day. And Lord, as the church is gathered tonight at the Sherevest celebration, I pray that you would be glorified. I just pray a blessing upon us. Lord, be with the meal that whatever is downstairs, there tends to be a bit of food afterwards. Lord, bless that lunch. Bless the fellowship afterwards. And bless us at this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.